Disclaimer. This episode focuses on depression and mental health, and some of the language used is of a sensitive nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, just a quick update on the March results and April fixtures before Chris does his thing on his follow-up show. On the 2nd of March, the first team came away with a 36-20 win over Gordon League. They came away with a 26-20 loss at home to Long Levens on the 23rd. And then last Saturday, you picked up a huge 93-21 win over Frampton Cottrell. And the second team lost out on the 2nd of March, 25-17, away to Old Pat's thirds. They gave an away walkover to Hocklecote second on the 9th and came away on the losing end of a 52-5 result away to Drybrook on the 23rd. Coming up in April, the first team will take on Spartans away tomorrow. They'll host St. Mary's Old Boys on the 13th. They'll face the winner of Cheltenham Tigers or Breeden Star on the 16th in the Combination Cup semi-final. And they close out the season on the 20th away to Hucklecote. The second team will host Minchinhampton tomorrow. And they will face the winner of Norton Seconds and Civil Service at home on the 17th in the Combination semi-final. The third team will take on Chooksbury seconds away on the 10th in the combination first round. That is, of course, the minor shield. And then the winner of that game could take on the winner of Old Pats fourths and civil service seconds in the combination semi-final on the 18th. I'm going to hand over to Mark Moxie Collier for an update on the pups and the cubs. And then we're going to hand over to Chris. Starting off with the results for the under-12s. They, they started the, uh, the month at the county festival where they played Tewkesbury, Minchinhampton, Stroud and Old Pats. They did alright actually, they, they kind of won the, the whole thing, even though there was no winners and losers, well it's, you know how it is nowadays. Um, they scored 16 tries and they conceded none, so what an amazing result that was. At the end of the month they played Spartans away, they lost, but um, apparently it was under dubious means. I'm not going to say any more on that. On to the under 16s. Because of unavailabilities and injuries, they only managed to get one game. That was against Old Luctonians, which was again a rearranged fixture, so that, we're thankful that that actually happened. The boys lost 36-12, so that was a disappointing month. The fixtures for April, the under-12s. On the 7th, they go to the Berry Hill Festival, where hopefully they'll have as much success and fun as they did in the previous county festival. Then on the 14th, they have the little matter of Cheltenham Tigers away up at Newlands. Let's hope they can come away from there with a with a bragging rights. On to the end of 16s, we start starting the month with a trip away to Droitwich. Then following that we've got um, at home we've got a, a touring side that's sort of been arranged by Lydney. So um we're hopeful we can we can get another game going there as uh, we're, we're down as playing St Brendan's at home at the end of the month but um I'm not actually sure if they've if they've got a team so Let's make the most of these these two. I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Chris for leading this follow-up show and to Kate and Dean for giving up their time to travel over from Swindon. I'm hopeful that by listening to this episode, even if it just helps one person, these guys have done a great job. This is the UTS Podcast, an independent podcast following Cheltenham Saracens RFC and Grassroots Rugby in Cheltenham. Hey guys, it's Chris here again uh, doing a follow-up podcast to the mental health show that we did last month. 
today I've been joined by Kate Bowles, who works within uh, the mental health profession. So she's joined to have a little chat with us about things that uh, you could do to help people. Also joined by Dean Bird, uh, who is another Saris player. Most of you probably know who he is, <laughs> and ice hockey player. And of course, Dan and Moxie are here as well. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone that's given support and sent messages, Facebook posts, um, everything off the back of the, the first podcast. It's been absolutely overwhelming. The listening numbers that I've been told have been huge. My inbox has been going off with, with questions, messages of support. I've been taken aside and given advice. It's, it's been it's been brilliant, and uh, as far as I'm aware, it's got a few people talking, um, which was the the main point of the podcast. So, with that in mind, we've decided we're going to do a, a follow up show. As uh, this is a massive topic, and that's why we brought Kate along here um, to talk about um, what she does within the role of mental health, uh, how talking can help, and the, the other things that people can do. Because that's the main question I was getting um, from people. Apart from people wanting to just talk to me, which is, which is great um, and fantastic, obviously, I've got my own personal experiences as I, as I went into uh, in, on the last podcast. One question that I did receive um, was... I know, or people know other people who are suffering, and what can we do to help them without being sort of forthcoming or sort of almost not accusingly, but um, making them feel like uh, they've, they've got a worse problem than it is, or just bringing them down even more? And it's quite difficult because a lot of the time you can't just. Um I think you start with a point where you say how you doing, how things going, and then if they feel comfortable enough, then they'll open up to you. But apart from um, the nice, the like the original niceties, without being good mates with them or actually being forthcoming and saying, "Are you all right? Are you sure you're all right? Is there something you want to talk about?" Without going that far into it straight off. Sometimes all you'll get back is, yeah, 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 no, 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 I'm fine, it's all right. And you look at them and you're like, well, no, you're not all right. But until they can say, yeah, or they feel comfortable yeah. to, then then that's where the sticking point is. And sometimes it is just about asking somebody if they're okay and then just listening to it. But that's where I find it difficult because if I see it in them, I want to go that bit further and yeah. then ask the why. But obviously without... Uh, knowing a little bit about the person beforehand. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely what I w was thinking about as well. That the uh, the biggest problem is not wanting to to delve straight into it. Mm. Um, you you can see that someone's suffering, uh, but you don't want to just force them to talk. I mean, I want to get people talking, mm. but at the same time, you can't force them to talk. Mm. Um, or it, it's sort of a a catch twenty two. Um, that I think is is quite difficult. Um, I mean, look at me; it's taken me, you know, almost a decade to really open up. Mm. So um, I think it's. I think if if you can see, like, especially within the rugby lot, like if you say to someone, "Are you all right?" and they go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm fine," and you know they're not, even like stepping off to the side, or like when you were saying that they sent you messages and yeah. they said, "Look, if you want to talk to me." you can talk to me. So it's almost, 
it's it's breaking that barrier like and then when they then feel comfortable they can they can speak to you about it or open up and then next time they might say how are you doing are you all right then they know that there's a safe place for them to open up because it's welcomed because I think quite a few of the times some people are just like oh they've got their own shit going on they don't want to hear mine yes or, or yep. is what I'm feeling silly is it real or is it just me being over the top oh it'd be all right it's nothing it's nothing but it, it means a lot to you on the inside, but you don't want to feel like you're burdening somebody else with it. So, like, until it's it's opened up. Yeah, I, I definitely completely agree with that. <clears throat> of um, Feeling that sometimes you think it's a bit silly that you're feeling the way you're feeling. Because mm. um, it, it can come about from, from anything. Um, it can come about from oh, just a, an argument with a friend or a relationship ending or something like that. And especially within rugby mm. and contact sports um yeah you, you don't want to be seen as the softy the softy yeah <laughs> that's it you, you don't want to think that um why am i getting why am i getting all upset about a girl yeah. when i'm going to go and dump tackle someone on a on a saturday mm. um so so yeah finding that way to open up it is is certainly very difficult um, especially if someone you feel that someone is quite a closed off person anyway, mm. getting them to talk is is yeah very hard. I think. Yeah, it's difficult. But I suppose then you don't take your emotions on the rugby field. You're there with aggression, and then I think that's part of the difficulty as well because it's finding a balance between like the manliness, yeah. like get on there and the aggression yeah. but then switching and, and 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 dealing with the emotions because yeah. you, you can't just turn them on and off but sometimes it's easier to have the aggression to carry you through on the rugby field yeah. but that is just a distraction technique yeah, and definitely. I'm sure as you found over your decade you bury it and you bury yes. it but it grumbles and it gets louder and louder until it erupts and then there'll be a day just as quick as if you've been slapped in the face and you're like, can't get out of bed. Yeah. I'm, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to stay here and do nothing. And you're like, but yesterday I was running around on the rugby field and I was having a laugh and a joke with the blokes and today I'm just, just keep me indoors, let me hide in the dark. And and, and, and that's scary because you're like, well, how can I switch from one yeah. and then to the other when I've managed to cope with this but all of a sudden nothing has tipped it off. But it's just literally just erupted from inside. Yeah, um, yeah, completely. See what you say there. I've, there's definitely been days where I've woken up and no motivation to do anything. Mm. Absolutely zero motivation to get up. Um, I'm sat. I'm staring at a ceiling. I'm going through my phone, which is probably even worse because I'm going through social media. Yeah. I don't know what what social media has done to mm. to mental health. Um, <laughs> But like I said on the previous podcast, I like going to the gym, I like playing rugby, but there's just no motivation there to go and do it. Mm. Once I'm up there and I'm there, great. Mm. But it's that motivation to go, oh, I could just lie in this bed. My bed's not even that comfy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that's, a, that's even worse. I know, I've got a rubbish little single bed and I'm just lying it thinking, oh, yeah, I don't want to get up. I don't want to eat. Yeah. I don't want to... No shower, no teeth clean, no. just fester in your That's pit. it. That is exactly it. Yeah. Not getting on. I mean, the bathroom is literally, it's, a, it's an en suite, <laughs> so it's right there. Oh, but, that's you even know. worse. 
But yeah, that'll go after a day of a great day, maybe. Mm. And then suddenly, because I've spent so much time letting it build up and build up and build up, like you're saying, suddenly it's there and next thing I know, it's the next day. I think the difficulty is, is not understanding the triggers. So you could be fine one day, happy, life and soul, great rugby game. It's not even anything that's gone bad. You've had a really good day, and then the next day, all of a sudden, you feel terrible. Yeah. Uh, but there's not necessarily any trigger. So I think uh, sometimes it's about being aware of what the triggers are that can lead that that have happened throughout the week. So um, in the mindfulness and mental uh, meditation program that I run, I I help the guests on there understand what their daily tasks are what their things are and and, and it helps them to work out what their triggers are so it may be that I don't know a few days ago they had a whole day of housework and they find that really tedious and really boring and then the next day their mate's gone or they've had some road rage and it and it's it tends to be the accumulation and then you can literally just wake up and then that's all just erupted singularly on an individual day they aren't much at all so when I work with people it's about helping them to understand each little bit and then balancing it out throughout the week rather than having like oh I'm gonna have this day to get all the crap done yeah it's about balancing it out so when you do end up having a bad day so say if you have a bad night's sleep you wake up feeling terrible you've not got a whole load of crap stuff dumped on you that one day so it tends it's easier to get the balance rather than it being a high to a low extreme yeah. so so what you said is yeah, just sort of maybe keep an eye out for the, the triggers yeah as they are no matter how small they might seem yeah and just dealing is it sort of dealing with it then and there or well if you imagine everything you do is a feather right yep. so you've got housework food shopping job, sport, mates, family, all of those things. So if each one is a feather dealing with it, it's not got much weight to it. It's not got much emotional impact. But you've got all of those and you're juggling them and you're balancing them. So you've got to keep them all up. So it, it's a bit difficult yeah. because they're, but they're, there's lots of them. But then something can come along and just knock it all out of the way. So when you understand what your daily tasks are, what your... What, what your week needs to encompass and then factor in any events or situations so if you think of something in the past say for example you suffer from a social anxiety okay um that then builds up so you're thinking about that and your emotions that you would ordinarily feel on that day they're already building way before the event and they're there and they're boiling in, in inside you and they get really heavy and you can end up having those depressive moments where you're like I don't want to get out of bed. This yeah. is just too much, and it and it's a huge weight. So when you can understand what your triggers are, you can then prepare for it. So then there's certain okay. breathing techniques. Yep. And say if you know, say if your events on a Saturday, you know not to do all your crappy boring tasks or visiting someone that you know is a bit hard work, mm -hmm. like some mates that just waffle and you're like, um. Don't visit them or do the crappy tasks a couple of days before because it's just okay. going to be it's going to be more for you. So it's about working out a balance and planning stuff in. Great, now that's that's stuff that I've not heard before. 
Um, so that that's really good thinking back to the the, the crappy days I've had. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can look now in the in the week earlier and think that okay, two days before yeah, I was doing my washing, which yeah. I hate doing, or yeah. tidying my room, yeah. which I hate even more. I don't even do it. So, <laughs> but yes, I, I I see exactly what it is there. The the, the little things that are building yeah. up. So that is mindfulness. Okay. So it's um, see this. Whenever I talk to people about mindfulness and meditation, they look at me as if to go, "There's no way I'm doing. It. I'm not going to sit there and go." Um, with my <laughs> eyes shut, cross-legged on the floor. Because it's not necessarily about that. If you want to go down the religious route and meditate that way, that's fine. But ordinarily, on a basic level, mindfulness is about being aware of how your thoughts and your feelings can affect your physical body and how your physical body can affect your thoughts and your mind. Okay. So when you take a mindful moment so when you learn and understand what your daily tasks are what annoys you what niggles you and then so you can be more mindful about that and incorporate it into your life a slightly different way you can then understand a little bit easier so like with rugby with injuries so even if your mind's off you could probably go and have a wicked game it probably one of the best games you've ever you'd be like yeah spot on scored loads absolutely brilliant but as soon as you get an injury or something hurts in your body in your head that's when all the chatter starts i'm rubbish i'm terrible i can't go there i'm gonna let them down oh well i'll just i'll just stay in i'll just hide i'm not gonna go to work today oh i I can't be bothered to eat i feel terrible or it could be this pain hurts so much and it ends up with a knock-on effect so that's where the mindfulness then comes yep. in to balance that out from a different perspective well I'm, I'm glad you mentioned injury there that's a nice little segue into what i want to talk about next um because i it's something i didn't talk about on the the last podcast actually um which i was surprised because in the past six months one of the the triggers that sent me down the the dark path in the past half a year was that i um tore ligaments in my knee at the end of the rugby league season oh. uh which meant i didn't finish the game um, which we ultimately lost. So part of my brain was thinking, would that have happened if I'd have been on for that last hour? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I missed the rest of pre-season for Saris, and I only got back playing, I think it was uh, last month, um, uh, back playing properly. And uh, we've got uh, Dean with us as well, um, who those that are part of the Saris team knows the the extent of the injury you went through, if you just want to let us... If you're happy to talk about it, yeah, uh, let us um, know what happened for you. Yeah, I was having a, I was having a blinding game. Um, <laughs> uh, just getting back into rugby, obviously first season back for, a, um, what, nearly eight years I think it was. So it's been going really well. Um, went one on one with someone, slightly the same size as me. Uh, just caught my neck. Didn't think nothing of it. Just put a bit of ice on it, rest it, water. Carried on playing the game. Went out, had about 15 pints afterwards. <laughs> and the rest. And maybe a bit more. Got back on the Sunday and just relaxed. Just thought, oh, it's a bit stiff. I thought just being like hungover and stuff. And then I went to work the next day. Went a bit dizzy. Lost feeling in my right arm. Legs started not to work. I thought, oh. Bearing in mind, I do scaffolding as a job as well. So yeah. it's not like a, <laughs> it's not a light job. Carried on doing a day work. Because... Um, Obviously, in my mind, I'm just oh, just an injury. I've just picked up a knock. 
don't like letting people down don't like letting work down so I just carried on mm-hmm. I went till I got home I was like literally you've either got to stop work Kate or you've got to take me to the hospital no, it was, <laughs> if you don't take me to the hospital now, yeah. I'm calling an ambulance. Uh, and okay. I knew that was serious. Yeah. He couldn't even stand up. He'd been sick. And I uh, got to the hospital and uh, all just went from there, really. And I just didn't really sort of sit, understand how serious it was until I was on the bed. Um, and they were giving me 10 milligrams of morphine to take the pain away. Um, strapped me to a bed. Couldn't move, I had no feeling in my right arm, none in my left le- leg, or in my right leg, sorry. Um, ended up being in hospital for a week. And nearly a week. week and nearly two weeks, it's all together. Um, ended up doing my C3 and C4 in my neck. My L5 uh, is bulging out of my spine. And then uh, where my coccyx is, is all degenerating, where just over impact. I just took a massive massive knock in my rugby career at the minute just not being able to play yeah also i was obviously using rugby getting back into get being fitness mm-hmm. because my ice hockey season starts in a month okay uh, so i thought i use rugby to get fit yeah ready for my ice hockey season and i'm not really 100 percent ready for that <laughs> yet either so at the moment i'm trying to i've had all the physio yeah uh i've got a physio at the minute i have an acupuncture on my back and on my neck uh, I'm obviously paying for a, an extra physio uh, treatment out of, out of what I get from the hospital. But it's put a massive um, sort of big impact in my life as well. Yep. Obviously with work, not being able to play rugby, I like I love playing. Yeah. Um, I was obviously in the army with, with AD and a few of the other boys. Yeah. So I've got that camaraderie with them. Mm-hmm. Obviously being back at the club after so long. Uh, and then obviously being injured, I felt like I let everyone down. Mm-hmm. Obviously we did win the game anyway yeah but it's just afterwards like just seeing all the chatter and that yeah. and but it's like it, you it said gets me down and I'm like all I want to do is play and uh, every week everyone's going can you play can you play yeah I'm like yes <laughs> and this is where I love the club I think the club's brilliant yeah they message Kate and they're like can he actually play <laughs> and she's yeah. like no he can't and then they're like no you're not playing so but yeah it's, it does take a it depressed me for ages like obviously I was not being able to work as well um and obviously having to allow Kate to do everything yeah which is I'm not that person and I was literally like once I got out of the hospital I was sofa bound yeah couldn't really walk I was having to drink out of a plastic cup with a straw Ugh. uh couldn't really get up myself trying to get up and down stairs uh but yeah it took a it was a big injury which I yeah. in my head I haven't taken seriously probably okay. he was not taking it seriously at all and he was getting so frustrated because like you said He's, he's like, yeah, but I'm letting people down. Yeah. So I, I, I tend to think that it's very, it's easier for an individual to to feel a burden upon other people. I'm letting mm-hmm. other people down, mm. and they tend to always think of others, and not necessarily the judgment of what people will think of them, but it's how they view themselves towards the other people so it tends to be on a personal level you don't take into consideration actually what's going on inside yourself Mm -hmm. because you either aren't aware or haven't learned because it is a skill being able to understand how you actually feel on the inside and how to work through stuff is a skill it's like learning a language you don't wake up and and able to speak mandarin is your second language you have to learn the skills to deal with it so like for Dean he 
he was seeing it as I'm letting not only am I letting work down Mm -hmm. but I'm letting rugby down and ice hockey and the family down but for me I could see his frustration within himself because like you having so a certain level of fitness right but I know I can do this and it's and sometimes it's not even the physical injury it's it's like a mental injury that stops you from fulfilling the potential that you know you actually have I think I found as well Same with mental health. I'm with a mental illness, and obviously I suffer from PTSD. If I can't see it, it don't hurt. Yeah. So I can't see my neck. I can't see the injuries. So I know it's bad. Yeah. Because I can't see it and I can't feel it, I don't see it as a problem. And and that's what I was like. If you've got a cut on your hand, or you've broken a bone and it's there sticking out, that hurts. Yeah. But because I couldn't see it, I I don't understand it. Yeah, I think. I completely see what you're saying there. I think I was the same with my knee. I couldn't see the ligaments were gone. And I I, I, I think I tried to rush getting back just before Christmas um, uh, for, a, for a twos game. I can't even for the life of me remember who was against Norton, I think, um, in the absolute pissing rain. Ah, I remember playing that game. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I lasted, what did I last about? Five minutes. Four, five minutes. was in that game. Yeah, because I, I, I lasted five yeah, minutes. A kick, got, <laughs> a kick got put through. I chased after it yeah. and I just turned to Eddie and said, no way, I am not ready. Mm. They, uh, yeah. And that's the thing, like, thing with like, mental health as well, because you can't <clears> see what's going on. Yeah. You don't understand how it's affecting your body and your mind really. Yeah. And how, sort of, how much pressure it actually does put and how tiring it is, and the illness, how tiring it is, it's like unreal. Completely, yeah. You, you never stop. Yeah. And obviously you keep, your mind's going all day long, and then even when you're going to bed, it carries it on. Yeah. And then in the morning, because you're tired, because you've not slept properly, yeah. then fight it again. And if you're probably the same as me, you just full front oars, fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. Yeah. Worked harder, done more, played yeah. more rugby, done more gym, done more sport, went out more. Yeah. And then just at some point I like just crashed when I admitted that I actually had an illness and I had to get mm-hmm. it sorted my mum saw a completely different side of me yeah and I was, think, I was I was waking up in the morning getting washed showered and dressed and then going back to bed yeah and sleeping mm-hmm. and then done that for about three weeks I think and just slept and then I was like right let's let's do this now yeah yeah yes, yes. But obviously with with the illness and with the injury it was um it did. It's, it was hard work. Yeah. Because, like you said, you don't like letting people down. And yeah, and I think going to what Kate said about being a, a burden as well. Like mm. we feel like, um, yeah, we've let the team down. It's, it's it's not your fault, you know, that the injuries happened. It wasn't my fault. My my knee went. It was just the guy's body got caught uh, on top of it. But yeah, we felt like we've let them down. I think it's the same when it comes to wanting to open up and talk to people about being. Yeah, we don't want to be a burden to other people. Even though those people are could be our best friends or family, mm. you don't want to be a burden to those people. I think sometimes as well, like Dean said, where you can't see the injury, sometimes when you know that something's not quite right in your head, it's not. Sometimes it's about the burden, but then it's if you can't understand it in your head, how can you verbalise that to somebody that can't get into your head? They don't know what you're feeling. So then you feel like you have to explain it to an extent where they go, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. And then 
you know, like when you do um, questionnaires, like those silly quizzes where they say, score naught to 10 on your satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, I'm going to score that seven. Well, for example, my seven could be amazing. It's fantastic. But your seven, oh, that could be all right. Yeah. So when, on an emotional level, when, when you say, yeah, 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 I'm feeling all right, and you can do the poker face, yeah. inside you're thinking, Christ, I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. But somebody else's version of Christ, I feel like shit could be different to yours. So sometimes it, it takes more effort to have to think to comprehend to then verbalize the the pickle that's going on in your head for the purpose of somebody else understanding because unless they do understand or unless they have gone through it and then had some help to get out the other side they might not necessarily understand what yeah what you're saying yeah and i think that goes back around to what we were saying as well about how you might feel i don't want to say silly but maybe you do feel mm. silly sometimes, mm. um, which is it's, it's ridiculous at mm. the end of the day mm. it, because there's, there's no silly reason for, for why it's a, why you're depressed or whatever mm. um, because it is an illness. Um, and I think that's one thing people need to remember or try and, try and get themselves thinking is there is no silly reason. No. Mm. Not at all. It could be something as... as minute as or it, it could be an injury or it could be like i said losing um a relationship a family member a pet or just like you've failed an exam but it could like even that. go back to years and years mm -hmm. prior so say for example you were at school or a job and somebody said something to you and at the time you thought what yeah and then you brushed it off and then nothing happened ever since the brain is so good, so you have an autopilot. So this is this is your like your automatic processes. Mm -hmm. So you don't think about making a cup of tea, you just do it. So that's your autopilot. So our brains are phenomenal and they get so good at putting things on autopilot. So when somebody says something to you and it makes you think, Hey, straight away your brain will just go, Oh yeah. mm -hmm. palm that off and you carry on. But then what can happen is there can be like this like silent little underlying niggle and then that tends to grow. And then if somebody else says something, but subconsciously you don't even know it's affected you. And then over the years, it gradually gathers momentum to a point where, say, for example, um, you went out when you were younger, say 20 years ago, mm -hmm. wearing a shirt, right? Yep you thought you looked ace in this shirt but someone was like <laughs> did you look in the mirror before you went out yeah. and you go <laughs> i've got mirrors in my house something silly just yeah. that bit of banter just to palm it off yeah but subconsciously you started to change the way you dressed and you no longer wore a shirt so although it wasn't anything major that tiny little thing can carry on so it doesn't necessarily have to be from a traumatic event from a car crash, from um, an event, a situation that happened in the military, for example, or even a physical injury. It could be something so, so tiny at the time that you didn't even notice. And I think this is where mental health is kind of like, it's like somebody's just snuck up yeah. really quietly and really slowly and then gone, Poof! and they've taken the rug and you slip and you're like, shit me, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. 
and and I think that that is one of the hardest hardest bits. So when you then gradually learn the triggers, yeah, or understand. So when you go through like a talk therapy, you can kind of pinpoint back. It's like it's like going back on the timeline journey, and then you go, oh, that's where it was, and and so you work forward like that. But um, yeah, um, I can again completely see what you're saying because thinking back now, I could. I could probably pick at least one mm. moment out, and I'll I'll give that example now. I, mm. and I remember because I remember the class, and it must have been about year nine, mm. and it was I'm pretty sure history. So you'd have been about fourteen. Yes, yeah. about thirteen, fourteen. And during the class, we're talking, and I, I just said that I liked so and so, and I just I remember. A girl we sat there going, "Oh, don't you think she's a little out of your league?" Which at the time, yeah, you're sort of a bit like, "Oh, right, okay," and then mm. brushed it off. Mm. But especially with my romantic life and anyone that knows my romantic life, it, it sort of speaks so, a lot of sense for the so way I act and the way I treat people. Yeah. So you've carried that on mm-hmm. from your age now, from age fourteen to today. Yep. You've carried that on. As an unconscious, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough for that person. Completely, and if yeah. your if your emotional connection with that person, when you look at someone, you think, "Wow, yeah, they are gorgeous. They're special. What a lovely person! Look at all these lovely qualities." There's this tiny little bit that's right inside you going, "Yeah, but you're not good enough for her." Yeah. So you go, "Well." No, no, no. She, she mm-hmm. doesn't. She doesn't like me. No, that compliment she's gonna make. No, no, no. She doesn't mean it. She doesn't mean it. And it's self-sabotaging. Completely, completely agree. Especially if I look at back <laughs> at all my uh, all my romantic endeavours without going too softy and into <laughs> too deep. Yeah, I, I certainly that's just uh, just my exam. I'm sure there are a couple of other things if I was to take the time and, and look back at you know other other aspects of my life. Um, how do you? How do you sort of combat that then? It's it's a journey, and I, when you realise the trigger. So for you, for example, is because you mentioned it. So your relationships that you have with women. So it might not necessarily be with men mm-hmm. or with people that you feel are either at a similar worthiness level to you. So that you've got no issues with. So when you then see that it's with someone that you um, that, that you put not 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 necessarily on a pedestal, but you think more of that, then mm-hmm. they're better than you. Once you've realised that trigger, it's about working on it, and then um, being mindful of that when you move into a relationship. So, for example, so I'm going to give you a visualisation technique that I've done. Okay. Um, and I've done it with two women recently and they've had really, really amazing feedback and they've come up to me and said, you know that, wow. And I just think, yay, <laughs> like I'm so pleased for them. So for example, so for confidence. Okay. So it can be linked to your self-confidence in relation to those that you think are slightly um, more valuable or more worthy. Okay. Than how you view yourself so if you close your eyes and you imagine you're in this really really busy high street and there's crowds of people um, walking towards you and you see confidence 
walking towards you. Now, you can visualize confidence as a color, as a person, as a shape, as an animal. So however you see confidence, that is walking right towards you. How does it make you feel? So if you wait a minute, so I'll talk you through it. So you can't avoid it. You can't sidestep and confident, confidence or this, this beautiful woman that's more worthy is walking directly towards you. How does it make you feel? Where do you feel the physical changes in your body? Is it your fingertips, your toes, your stomach? Do you then start going on in your head? Oh my God, oh my God. It's the fight, flight or freeze response. Do you want to run away? Do you want to hide? Is it that you want to make yourself smaller? Oh yes, yes, I'm I'm not worthy of you or, or something like that. And imagine how that makes you feel and how you see it. So then when you come out of that, you write down that experience, how it's made you feel, how you saw that image coming towards you. And then a few days later, or a few weeks later, you go into that again. And when you can visualize that emotional change within you, it's easier to overcome it. So like both you and Dean have said, when you can see a cut or a black eye or a broken nose <laughs> or broken bones from rugby, right? You can see it healing. So you go, I know that's fine. I'm getting over it. But when it's an emotion and it doesn't have a physical image, you're like, what? how the hell am I supposed to? I can't even see it. I don't even know what it is. So when you can visualize it, coming towards you so for example one of the ladies that I spoke to hers was confidence and what she was doing is she was allowing her grades to dictate her confidence levels so when she got grades better than what she expected her confidence was sky high she was on top of the world she felt great but when she got a grade lower than what she expected she was really low so it's about changing the polar extremes from the really high and the really low and just closing that gap so when i talked her through it i didn't expect anything back no no updates and then the week later she said to me oh my god she said i did that she said it made such a difference the week after that i said to her you're looking good. I said, have you got new jewellery? Have you got jewellery? She said, well, this is how I visualised it. She said, and I've decided that I'm going to present myself in a different way. And she began to overcome. And so what could start off to be this humongous, massive, daunting figure, making you feel so tiny and worthless, walking towards you, when you can see that shrink, and your own self-worth and value get bigger and you become to be on the same level, that's when you start to notice things. But it's not going to be immediate and it is going to be a journey. So to if you make notes, like keep it in a little notebook, hide it. If you're someone that's like, oh no, I can't write in a diary. <laughs> I'm a man, I can't write in a diary. <laughs> but honestly, write it down. And you can see your journey. So then when you have a shit day, you can look back at that and go, this is how I've changed. This is how I've benefited from it.
that's fantastic. Definitely something I'm going to take away. Dean, I assume you're already doing something like that. Or? Oh, she gets me doing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but it's good. Like when I first got understanding my illness, mm-hmm. I went to like loads of PTSD classes first, just to understand what it was, because mm-hmm. I never had a clue. And the big thing that I learned: it doesn't matter how big or severe or small what's going on in your head. Yep. The symptoms are exactly the same. And obviously, when I was sat on, when I was in, I was the only person that was in the army. The rest of them were all civilians. Okay. And I sat there. And I was thinking, a bit arrogant, really, and naive in other parts of it. Thinking, how, how can this be? Like, I've, from what I've gone through, how can what, how can their symptoms be the same as mine? Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then when I actually learned more about it, I was like, wow. So, because of the mind, it doesn't matter the where what you've done or how it's happened, all the symptoms are the same. And I learned that you have to that naivety and, and arrogance and mm-hmm. part of it. I had to drop. And once I'd done that, I sort of faced it. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously learned where, like you said, what the trigger points were. Yeah. Uh, and to take time out as well. Um, something so stupid like get up in the morning before I used to do anything I'd sit on the bed for five minutes and do nothing yeah bear in mind I've just slept for 12 hours yeah. <laughs> but I just need five minutes sat on your bed yeah then go and then I was like to go to sleep I couldn't go to sleep uh, and then I was having to like do relaxing techniques so like laying on the bed mm-hmm. and visualising your feet relaxing your feet down then your knees yeah. Then your hips, yeah. then your stomach, then then your like your shoulders, your arms, and I normally got to about my waist and I was asleep. Right then. <laughs> but it's just one yeah. of them again, like techniques like that. And yeah, I think I've um I've I've heard that technique before. I oh, think. brilliant! Yeah. And if I can't sleep now, if I sort of, if I am stressed, I will, I will do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like you're going back to like your trigger points and like you're saying when you have bad days, mm-hmm. obviously living with Kate she knows when I'm having a bad day before I'm even going to have it yeah. and it just normally something that's happened three or four days before mm-hmm. that I've not noticed and then three or four days later I don't remember nothing mm-hmm. I won't remember the whole day and I'd have a complete blackout where I don't remember the day where my whole body is just gone onto pilot mode yeah. and it just does what it does and I've gone to work I, just, I think the worst one was I had about three days where I don't remember anything that's happened and even my family like how can you how can you go through day to day but not remember anything and it's the brain is so complex and very clever in what it does but because there's too much going on it just shuts down yeah. and says no we're not remembering nothing Yeah. and it won't you just carry on doing your day to day business and that's yeah. what scared me as well I think um, it's, like, it's like when you're driving isn't it sometimes if you've taken a journey for Mm. Oh, I don't know. If I if I when I go up north, for example, I could I can I just go up. It's up the M5, up the M6, over the M55, and then a couple yeah. of country roads. I'm there. I know that. It's a three-hour journey. I'm there, and then I think, hang on a minute, that was three hours. I've just driven, and I wasn't paying attention. Mm. I mean, yeah. obviously, I was paying attention, like changing the book because I changed the lanes. Yeah, and that's like one of my like, friends and family couldn't get their head around that, mm. and it's it was. I couldn't get me around it as well. I'm trying to explain to people, I don't remember what's mm-hmm. happened for the last three days. And people are going, how can you not remember? And you're like, I don't know. Just, I have no recognition. I don't yeah. remember waking up. I don't. 
So like, get you be like, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Mm. And then bit by bit you can start. Yeah. I don't remember all of it. There'd be like odd little bits that you yeah, can yeah. remember, but yeah. that autopilot is very clever. Yeah. <laughs> the, the brain's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The, the, what it can do. But it's not to the point. So don't. You still need your autopilot, mm-hmm. mm. and this is this is the nice thing about mindfulness. And like when I say to people, if you were to be mindful for every single task you did. Even if it's like Dean just said, sitting up in bed and getting out of bed. If every task you did was mindful, you would be absolutely exhausted and you need the autopilot. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's about taking time out just to actually realise stuff. So like when you go on holiday, that's a holiday for your body, not for your mind. And that's what I love about mindfulness and meditation. And it's a, it's about teaching your mind to have that holiday. Mm-hmm. And it can be scary. And I think it's easier for a lot of people to um, distract themselves with sport, with the gym, with healthy eating, or other people. So if somebody else isn't feeling very well, or they have, um, they're upset in their head, or something like that, they've got a drama going on, it's much easier to pay attention to something else and distract yourself with something mm-hmm. else because it really hurts and it's hard yeah. working on yourself. And if you don't, it's kind of like if you were to go to a foreign country, say somebody dropped you off to a foreign country and said, you've got to find your own way home now. Mm-hmm. You've got no map. That's going to be really hard and that's going to be a lot of effort. And that's exactly the same with your mind. If you've if you've not learned the skills or had the experience before, it's going to be hard. And that's why people don't do it. And then, like you've said, oh, this is silly. I shouldn't be feeling like this. This isn't normal. Normal rugby players don't feel like this. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But it is hard. But when you face it and you work through it and you can come out at the end... Say for the day, so you go on this journey, you do your visualising technique for confidence and for relationships and things like that. And you come out the end and say in five years' time, you're going, Kate, I've been with her four and a half years, we're getting married now. And you get to that point, you will say, I tell you what, that was hard, but it was well worth it. And I think that's what people find hard because it needs a lot of perseverance. But the nice thing to remember is there's never any right or wrong. So it's nice that you're sharing your journey and Dean sharing his. But never to assume that anyone's journey will be the same as yours. Because there has never ever been anyone like you. There will never ever be anyone like you in the future. And there is only you here now. So to compare yourself physically, mentally, your journey, your skill set to anyone else is pointless. It's worthless. People do it because, well, well, everyone does it. It's normal. But it's not. So your journey and how you go about it and what you experience all along the way and what you've experienced in the path is unique to you. So if somebody else is listening thinking, well, yeah, I can relate to that, but oh I didn't think that and I well they can get out of bed and everything's fine but I really really struggle that's fine 
because that's personal to you and it will be different but just to keep going through and keep working on it because everyone's pace is going to be different as well i think it's a really nice place to sort of wrap that up um to be honest that's that's just sort of really hitting the nail on the head um i think before we sort of wrap it up though just um for anyone that's listening that that um wants to do more for themselves mm. um you've got a facebook page yeah mind your life positive mental health so the emphasis there is on positive yeah, that's, that's mind your mind your life. Yeah, mind your life. I think anyone that's got uh, myself or <laughs> or Dean or anyone else will will put that on our Facebooks and um, and certainly share that out there. Um, but thanks so much for for coming and, and talking with us because um, like I said at the start, the the feedback for the first one was was overwhelming. I hope that this has done just as much for people um, as the first one did. Um, and hopefully we're, we're really making steps forward for we have, I've already got a couple of people talking and that was that's a big achievement in itself mm. so hopefully this is going to get even more people talking and if you're not struggling yourself helping others and, and knowing what you can do to help other people mm. yeah yeah it's been fantastic thank that's you good. thank Thanks. you if you have any doubts or questions or just want to find out more go and check out Kate's Positive Mental Health Facebook page. Give a quick search for Mind Your Life Positive Mental Health Service or facebook.com slash mind.your.life.positive.mental.health.service. So that's facebook.com slash Mind Your Life Positive Mental Health Service. Each of those separated with a full stop. Facebook.com slash mind.your.life.positive.mental.health.service. Dot service and a huge thanks to Kate, Chris, Dean, all of them for coming on and hopefully some of you uh, will find this really helpful and really interesting and hopefully it'll give you a bit more of an insight into what some people are going through and why they might not always be interested in talking about it. So awesome, thanks to them. Thanks to Mark Moxie Collier for sitting in on this one as well, although he didn't get involved. And thanks for keeping us up to date on the pups as well. Thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for our music bed, Cold Funk, which we use completely royalty-free under the Creative Commons License 3.0. And a huge thanks to everyone who got involved in this show and in the last show. And to you, of course, for giving this a listen. We'll be back to our regular programme format next month, so keep an eye out for that, and we'll see you then.